This episode of the Draft Champions Podcast has been brought to you by our paid sponsor, the Draft Champions Entertainment Podcast, starring Mike the Mouth Masato, myself, and a character we've made up named Frank Piscani. Every month we interview the best in the business, and this month is no different as we host Paul Spore of Fangraphs. We'll talk to him about all kinds of important things that are helpful for fantasy players like drafting Akil Badu in the 10th round and lots of other great things. Um, while we're at it, check out the In the Cut podcast with John Fish and Ryan Financio. That is awesome too. Enjoy this podcast. P.S. There's some record scratches or names bleeped out. Some of Chris's late round picks in the D.C. that we did together. Um, a pitcher that I think is going pretty late that I that I like. And um, next year's Taylor Ward for for me. Um, so if you want those, those are those are Patreon items. Sorry, a lot of good stuff in this podcast though. There's a lot of shit that we didn't get bleeped out, but whatever. Here, here, here it is. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with two amazing guests, and uh, they came on short notice. Um, Christopher Reed is uh, one guest. He's, I don't think you've been on a podcast before, have you? Uh, nope, this is my first one. Well, so, you, you, you come highly recommended. And then we thank have you, Tan- thank you. And we have Tanner Bell. Hello. How are you doing? And Good. You, got, you, you guys know each other. We do. We do. Tell, tell me about that. Um, uh, well, you go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so uh, we're obviously both from the state of Michigan. Uh, we are both Spartans. Uh, my, I have season tickets, uh, football, and so, no, I just can say we live locally. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we were in an ALO only league, I want to say dating back to 2008 timeframe uh, that ended a few years ago, but, but I battled with Tanner for, for quite some time. Yeah, shortly after we got out of college, I convinced people to start trying to play some Roto with me, and we went back and forth between mixed and AL only, and Chris, was you were big into football, and then I kind of helped you see the light that Roto is. Roto's the way. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm an engineer, so the, the math in me overtook. Um, I think Tanner told me to do or to read Larry's book, so I read Larry's book, uh, got into SGP. And then finally, uh, Tanner was nice enough to show me to some website. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, you do this. Uh, so I, I've been using his tool for a really long time. I like it. Um, then obviously he's he's advanced to the process. And that's also a good tool to use for draft prep and uh, and drafting itself. I agree. So, Chris, do you want anyone to find you on Twitter? Like, do you want, do you want to say your handle or do you want to just stay hidden? Uh, I have it. Fine. Uh, yeah, go ahead. It's it's uh, it's at. HIC seven three three one four, really old thing doesn't make any sense. It's basically um, like you're like a robot, like you'd think it was like a, a bot or something like that. Uh, yeah, something like it. it it's actually funny. Um, HIC, very few people know this. I was a Pacific Summer fan way back in the day. Hawaiian Island Creations was like a brand. Um, I wanted to be a surfer from Michigan way back in the day. That's where that originated from. So. I don't know. I'm not a hick like from the south. Uh, not that that's bad, but um, but yeah, that's... you look like more of a surfer than a hick. Um, <laughs> Tanner, you're at Smart Fantasy BB. Yep, people know that. And um, the process that you write with Jeff Zimmerman is an amazing book. I've I've, I've read it, and um, I've asked you some questions about it, and DM'd you, and you've answered me uh, graciously. Um, 
And uh, I, I highly recommend the process. It's great. It makes you think. And uh, it's um, it's intense. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's good. It's a lot of good stuff in there. We add new things every year. Um, covers the gamut. No, it's really good. Got of. a lot of respect yeah. for that that book that you and Jeff write. I got a lot of respect for Jeff, even though he's blocked me. But we'll maybe I'll get maybe I'll get him to unblock me. <laughs> maybe maybe that will happen. I'll hopefully let's see him in Vegas because I do have a lot of respect for him. And whatever I can do or stop doing for him to unblock me, I say this seriously. <laughs> like I will, I will get, I will get him back. He's my, he's my unicorn. I want to get. I want. I want to. He's like the, the unattainable uh, person that um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get back on his side one day. Uh, I have a, I have a feeling, but so this podcast, I don't know if you got the agenda. Um, this is going to be like just about Corbin Burns and his arbitration. And, uh, <laughs> like, like I just like that, like I have about an hour blocked out. We can talk about how like, it's so terrible. Like, I don't know how you guys feel. It's so terrible that the brewers did that to him. <laughs> you guys, you guys have anything prepared on that? Uh, not on Burns. No, but I, I feel like there's a lot of players that they've, they've lost the cases and, I just don't get it. Obviously, Burns was the big one that talked about it today, but but uh, seems like loss, 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 more loss than normal. Um, and it's surprising because you look at the numbers that they did for these teams, and then they don't get paid. Um, it's shocking. Yeah, but yeah, I know. Like so, you guys, you guys didn't like that the Brewers did that to them. So you guys are good guys, I, I would assume. Pay the players. Pay the yep. players. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you guys seem like good guys because you agree with me on that. Okay, so um, let's let's get into this. I. Um, Let's talk about the process. Um, and um, Tanner, you can tell me um, anything you'd, you'd like that you, that you think people um, would like to know and might draw them to the book that might be new this year. And then I want to ask you some questions about um, just some uh, the, the percentile rankings that people that generally uh, talk about and it's something that's a little bit easier to understand. Yeah, well, the book really does cover basically cradle to grave beginning of the year to the end of the year, anything you could think of the full process to go through, to prepare for a season, prepare for the draft, run the season, manage your team, and then kind of wrap up and make sense of it afterwards. Um, and that core part kind of stays the same every year, but then we layer in new pieces, new thoughts, new research, if you want to call it that every year. Um, and I end up, Jeff's obviously like, basically a sabermetric wizard and he's studying way more advanced things about players than I can ever get into. I spend most of my time focusing on kind of how to play the game better strategy wise, if you will, um, just by like looking at what people did in the main event last year, looking at standings um, and then trying to layer in how the MLB landscape maybe has changed and how it affects our strategies and what we should be doing um how we're addressing pitching streaming these kinds of things um and some of the new the two things that are new and i think are pretty interesting to this audience if they haven't heard already would be um we have an appendix that covers the rule changes um and i would call it pretty actionable like i think if you listen to a lot of podcasts right now people are just soft speculating or it's going to do this to speed or it's going to hurt these pitchers that are slow to the plate or um, Babbitt for shift, all this kind of stuff. Um, but we give way more actionable concrete things that you can do to basically adjust the players. Cause I still think you, do you know, is it true that rule changes really haven't been 
implemented into the projections still? It doesn't seem like it. I Chris, think... Chris, maybe you, you. I probably haven't gone that uh, in detail or, or as as close. I look, I did look at the sections in the process, um, how you'd adjust to it, but I don't know what the projections on, on like fan graphs. Yeah, right. They've been I think they're not. still not either. I was checking last night because I had heard on some podcast that maybe there was a new Bad Axe version, but I, it didn't quite look to me like it was notably different. Um, I haven't dug so, into that, but there, it, I think there is a new Bad X version, and it, it looks to me. Sorry to interrupt, but I think the I don't think it has baked in like the stolen bases for sure. Like at least from what I see. Yeah. Um. And so the two, I think most actionable things that you could make a tweak for if you wanted to right now would be Babbitt for heavily shifted players, and then stolen base changes. Um. And we have things in there that um, you could go ahead and layer on your own little customization to projections until they catch up and put some of that stuff in there. So that's one piece. And then I think the other piece was I did a bit of research about the main event last year and how people are playing it. Um, what kinds of players, the good performing teams had, what kinds of players, the poor performing teams had. Um, and it's hard to draw conclusions cleanly, but, um, it's just interesting to think about. Um, so like Judge was an example of a player that you would have thought that he would have just carried everybody to championships last year, but I can't remember exactly his offhand what the average ranking was, but it wasn't like he really did did do that. Um, the teams that had him on there weren't like running away with it, cashing or running away with, with him winning the league. And I think that just kind of suggests to you that what what kind of players were drafting Aaron Judge and what else may they have been doing or, or what kind of draft strategy were they doing or when they were taking Judge, what were other people taking? Um, and it, again, it's not to say that it's it's black and white because Judge, I think, felt one of the, we were in Scott Jenstead's, the one that he talked about a fair amount in his podcast um, last year and he had Judge, but he fell to him and he did win our league, so. I mean, it could go any way, but um, if you were reaching for judge, you were passing on other things. And even though you landed a big get there, there must have been something else about your process that was falling apart. Right. Um, maybe, maybe Chris, you can, you can, this is a nice segue into something that I'm interested in asking you. So Tanner and, and you and Jeff seem to have a good partnership. You guys like bring different skill sets to the table. It, it, it seems to me. Um, and you, you, Tanner, I'm, I'm a little bit more interested in in the stuff that that you're talking about, the roster construction and like how things unfolded last year from from the like the macro level landscape. Jeff seems more micro level in the players, based on what you said. Chris, uh, I want to ask you the question: roster construction and macro level, um, I guess, playing field observations or um, player evaluation in DCs. What do you what do you think? What do you think is more valuable? Um, so I guess the the way I do this is I think when you pose your agenda, one of it was like, I don't have a, a list that I just go straight down and, and steal from kind of thing. Um, I, like I said, I use Tanner's sheet, which is SGP. So I look at a, a player's value, right. Based on the projections. Um, 
So I don't set my KDS, not for the DCs. So I kind of go wherever. So I kind of am always adjusting what I do based on where I draft. And a lot of this is just to get familiar with the, the player pool. Um, uh, you know, just to get a, a different first round guy kind of thing. I don't like to go heavy on guys in the first few rounds. I like to, to kind of mix it up. And then obviously who you take in the first round, second round, third round impacts what you're going to need in, in the other ones. But the the way I have a very painful process um, from, I guess, end of last season to the start of the next season. Uh, so I, I uncover a whole bunch of news. I do a whole bunch of different or run a whole bunch of different filters in the background um, as I'm doing these DCs. But but really, like uh, where I start to maybe pick on guys that I like is probably rounds eight through ten. I really start to lock in on some guys like uh they shouldn't go past this certain valuation kind of thing, ADP wise, um, which is a bad metric to follow, but really I am um, more concerned, I guess, about different skill sets um, and then stat categories early on, as opposed to specific players. Um, obviously we all need speed saves pitching. That's what everybody says, right? Uh, this year you throw in the good catchers, right? They go around rounds seven through 10. So really, I, I like to mix and match all my my probably top ten rounds, and then after that, I, I will become a bit more concentrated on the players I go to. Right, that, that makes sense. And uh, just before we get into this, and, and people should know uh, your success uh, last year, um, five um, five of thirteen caches in DC, so basically half your leagues. And the the one thing that I noticed, you did eighteen DCs or no eighteen leagues, eighteen fifteen team leagues, Chris, and um, Tanner, I don't have the stats on you because you just didn't do the volume of leagues like that Chris did. But I don't do that many. <laughs> no, you don't do that many. You don't do that many. But um, eighteen leagues, and you were only below ninety-five standing games points two times. So sixteen of eighteen, fifteen team leagues, you were ninety-five plus standing games points. So that even the caches don't even really tell the story of your success. You you're a very consistent player when it comes to these these leagues, which is quite impressive. So um, we're going to get into the strategy a bit later, but I was I still did want to talk about um. The um and Tanner, I think you won your only DC that you, you played, so that was that's also good. I know you, I, I was in I was in a DC, but you did it with Zimmerman and Zinke. I was in that DC. I shared a team with Graham. We were we were terrible, and um, you the three of you played in that one, but you didn't win it because probably because they were dragging you down. But you did win the one you played by yourself. Yeah, I don't play the volume of Chris, which I don't know. Thinking back to the story of how we started, he he's definitely surpassed me, and in his um volume and um size of leagues that he plays in because what else did you play in last year chris yeah so did you do super? I, I did a lot of uh, did a lot of the draft champions i actually find that the easiest to manage there's no fab right so between sunday night and monday i can set stuff and then friday there's obviously hitter swaps that's easiest for me uh to, to manage so i can do more of the dcs uh less impactful but i did a super um which was my first super cash i'm still kind of a, a new congratulations Thank you. Yeah. I've only been doing this, I think, since uh, 2014, which I guess is kind of a long ways, but um, maybe not as, as long as some of the others in the industry. But um, I had four straight fourth place finishes in the Super Leagues. So last year was my <laughs> first cash finish. So, like, it was very nice to, to kind of hit that mark in, uh, in one of those, like, the, the high stakes, right, like the big boy table. Um, so that was fun. And then I also shared a team with uh, Ron Vicar, my partner. Um, and the main event, and we took second in our league. 
Nice. I saw. I mean, I saw that as well. So you that you cash in that. That's that's impressive. That's a good payout. So let's let's talk about some of the standing gains point or not standing gains points, but the um the percentile rankings. Now Tanner, I, I've sent you guys that over before. Like, does that did that seem directional? Are my numbers right? Because I I peeled the numbers off the NFBC, probably same similar to how you do it. But yeah, are, at least are we working with something that's somewhat workable? Like I know you probably, I know yeah, you have the right I, numbers. I have not run anything as in the same way that you have, but yeah, the numbers do. Um, they look right. I'm not a complete moron with this stuff, so we at least we can talk. We can we can use it for a discussion, right? Yeah. Okay. So really, two like what what I did was I looked at the main event and the draft champions. So just focusing on the the, the 15 team leagues, I have the OC there, but we we can ignore that for for now because I know Chris didn't play any 12, so uh, forget that. Uh, one thing I wanted to look at was the 80th to 90th percentile. And um, looking at the 80th and the main event, 80th to 90th percentile, just it looked like um, it was easier to move up in certain categories in the main versus the DC. So Tanner, I, want, I wanted to ask you um, how how does look how does um, the, this assessment and and this could be nothing. And I'm just and tell me if if this is a nothing. But how does how does this assessment impact your draft strategies in mains versus uh, DCs where there's no fab in terms of like your targets or how you draft. Yeah, I, I think this is an interesting thing to think about, but I don't know that it really affects my strategy too much. And, and maybe just to call out a couple of things that I think you're trying to describe here. So like is steals one of them that yes, yeah, go from 80th to 90th percentile in the main you needed 10 more steals to do it in the DC. You needed 12. Um, and then what was the other one we said? Saves. See, I think saving steel. I think the general point was it was more difficult to gain in the DCs because yeah. Cause the, the gap is larger there. Um, and, and I wonder if that's really more of a function of just that we don't have fab and you can't make corrections mid season to close those gaps. Um, and it also, you also got me thinking when I was looking at this about, cause I'm late in a few couple DCs or 15 team draft and hold ish things as well right now. And it is really nasty at the end. It's like, we're about the only thing that I can think to draft back. There's like a couple of hitters I like to get. And then it's really like relief pitcher speculation. Um, I can't even really find a starter back there that I think has even a 10% chance of like no. making an impact. It, it's disgusting. And, and I wonder if this is really just a function of that, where it's like, because you're kind of stuck at that point in a DC that you can't really close the gap. And so it is harder to, to jump from 80th to 90th. Um, I don't so much. I, I kind of liken the way I draft to what Chris described too. It's, I do kind of know what the targets are and have some goals about what I'm trying to get, but I don't press, I've kind of matured a lot or changed. I don't know if that matured is the right word, but changed a lot over the years. Like Chris mentioned Larry Schechter's book. When I first read that, I kind of followed his approach where I was like to the penny. Oh, this guy's a penny more. I got to take him over this guy. And now it's way more qualitative and it is really trying to piece all of the pieces of the 
the puzzle together. Um, I think that I think that the competitive advantage has become more qualitative because this information has become more um, mainstream, and people people oh, yeah. players have become better. So it's the competition has increased because the information's more free free flowing. Um, just to hit on the saves a little bit because like we were talking about it's more difficult to jump from the 80th to 90th and 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 what i mean by that is really competing for the overall and these overall competitions because the goal is to get the people talk about the 80th to win your league but really you got to be 90th ish to compete in the overall like across like an average across the categories but i think it's like saves are an example it's like somebody's like people are going to get there by hook or by crook so like um Someone's gonna somebody's gonna go with the two early closers that are gonna do well, but then there are those safe specs like the Holmes and the Housleys that people hit on. So it doesn't really matter. Like people are gonna get there in the DC. It's just there's a bigger disparity. There's only gonna be so many build, so many people that do it. Whereas uh, on a main event, there's fab to maneuver, right? So there's gonna be more parity in that. There's gonna be more parity in that category. Same with steals. You get McCarthy. You, you, you can fix that, right? And whereas the other ones are more um, how you draft. Am I, am I making sense here? I think so. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say the other thing too with the DC, right? You, you got a 50, uh, 50 player roster, right? So you might have more two start options than you would in a main, right? Because you only have the seven bench spots. So maybe some of this is you're starting a really bad two start that you shouldn't be starting over a random RP that might actually get a save that week. Right. Um, I don't know, but, but then in, right in the main event, that guy might actually be rostered in on a different team and, and put in kind of thing. So there's less ground to that. Maybe there's a lot more people deciding to use more bad two starts than like a third or fourth RP. Yeah. And that makes sense for, if you look at the, if you look at the main event versus the DCs, you, intuitively you'd think that the main event would be performing better because you can fix your team with fab. Um, yep. However, if you, the only category, if you look at the 80th and 90th percentile and, and I sent you guys this, I think it was the, the whip in um, the, the DC, the 80th percentile whip for the DC is actually more favorable than the main event 80th percentile whip. So that could be a function of what you're, what you're describing there in terms of people are getting um, what's it called? Gombered. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, by the end of the year in the main, people are just picking up. I don't know. They're being negligent, basically, with some of the guys they're picking up, and at least your hands are tied in the DC that you you probably can't pick up some of those guys that are coming up and just have no business starting. What do you mean by negligent? Like I don't know. I think it's really you. You can't stream anymore in the main once you get to like august like th there's just nothing left like i it's in the a little bit in the book last year's version where it's like if you, the pitchers that are available on the waiver wire in august average like 4.1 innings per start their era is like i'm i'm kind of exaggerating i don't remember exactly what it says but it's like their era is like 4.9 the whips 1.4 and they average four innings a start it's like you what what are you even picking that guy up for <laughs> um Whereas early on in the season, there is some traction there. And those guys that you, if you can get lucky and hit on one of them, that's going to last you through the season, maybe. But if that guy, those good players are up by then. So the guys that are coming up and aren't owned by August are, they're not, they're not good. All right. Last question on, on this. Um, 
the disparity between the main event and DC's back to that. Um, there's a bigger disparity in the hitting stats and the pitching stats. I think we're, they're a lot closer. Like even if you look at saves and ev- almost all the categories are a lot closer in, in pitching, but hitting there's a, there's a bigger difference. Like the, the hitting stats are a lot better in the main event. Are there any implications or applications from that, that you can, that you can notice in terms of like differing strategies? Like, would you, would you go heavier on pitching? Um, in uh, I don't know. In one of them, I don't even know which one. I would say. Like I guess the question to rephrase it simply: Would you would you go would you go heavier or lighter on pitching in a main event, or would you treat it the same as a DC? I can't, I can't say that I practically do go any different, but. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say because I'm not really in fab thought process yet. I'm still kind of in DC where to me, I'm just trying to accumulate as many guys as I know look like they're going to be in the rotation for a long time. Um, Whereas once it is more in the main, you can speculate some more on guys that might be injured and we're not really sure like a Molly or something like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that I would let my bot after thinking about this, I think I would sum it up as, I don't know that these standings differences affect my behavior more than just the format itself would like, and knowing that I can make fab moves or can't, I feel like that's more powerful to me than what these are trying to tell me, but I don't know that that's right. Right. I mean, I know there were some weeks where, I mean, everybody goes through this in the draft champions. Uh, you just take zeros for hitters, right? Uh, you do the best you can. You thought you had enough depth. Certain point in the season, like your bad rosters just have so much, right? Uh, bad luck that that you just, you do this. And obviously you can see the, the difference here in the at-bats, right? It's just purely from, in fab, you can replace hitters instead of taking zeros. Um, I know a lot of DC teams, you see a lot of people almost punting catcher sometimes, They'll get two or three. So, like, there's a lot of zeros there. So, I'm not sure how much of that factor is into this overall number, but I know there's a lot of teams that kind of just almost punt catcher in a way. Um, and then not having enough. Uh, I know my big thing is I do a lot of, um, I love the multi position eligible guys. Everybody does, right? But like, you get a lot of those and then you can just mix and match, right? So, you can try to maximize the hitting as much as you can. So, if you get more of those early on, then you need less in reserve, right? Because you have a lot more flexibility. You can get a higher higher quality bat in reserve, um, knowing that you can move them around kind of thing, which allows you to get more pitching maybe in reserve and give you more innings or options. Yeah. So yeah, you 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 alluded to um before either before we started recording or during this podcast, I forget now, but you said that you're it's sort of like a, a decision tree for you. You you your reserve picks are dictated by what you need. Um, you, you draft you draft for your weaknesses or strengths or vice versa. You want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. So, so the way I do this, like anybody, um, you know, I, I use the SGP sheet from from Tanner Bell's site, but uh, I also have like a roster tab that I created. Very simple, nothing complex at all, Excel wise. Um, 
just I have the the league standings. I use fourth place. Um, this is in the process. They have a table of what it takes for first through fifteenth for each category, right? So I fourth for all the categories, and then I use the top three percent. I shoot high because I want to be be high, right? Like that's that's the idea. Um, but essentially, like so, as I draft through, I guess the starters, the first twenty three rounds. I, I put that in for myself and all the players to see how I compare against the league, right? And then if I'm hitting these targets. So obviously, like on a on a build where maybe I'm heavier in power, right, in my first 23, I'm going to have to attack speed earlier or quality speed, right? Speed that I know that will get playing time. Um, and then vice versa, obviously, if I speed heavy, you need to get power early um, and reserve. Then also saves, right? I mean, if you take some bad save guys, in reserve early, you need to be attacking guys that have a higher likelihood of, of getting some saves. Um, but it's all just a balancing act, right? You you attack something early, something's going to slip. You you have to find a way to, to circle back to that and make that also a strength. Otherwise, you, you're not going to hit any of these targets uh, across the board. And there's so many of them. Um, and I will say, like, obviously, I've, I've chased the, the DC over all the past few years. What uh, you'll find that, like, obviously, like, you have a team that's just crushing homers. I can't move in homers anymore. Right. Like I, I need the speed. And at that point, I, some teams, I just didn't have the speed to do it. So you're kind of just stuck uh, without able to move up at all. So just being conscious of that as you're drafting is, is very important. One thing I've noticed in uh, these DCs that some of the really good players do is they take the, like, I'm noticing they're taking the, like the, the, the speed only players um, like after pick 400 and, and I've noticed that they're sort of fighting for these players. Like Miles Straw was a guy back, before before last year, I think it, it was um, 2021, I believe, he was going in the 400s, and I saw like Casey Chaw always going after him and those type of players that, that could make a difference in speed because sometimes like these DCs, like your teams could be like, that could be the difference because there's just, there's so little that you can do, right? So having that one guy that can go sort of berserk with speed, um, those guys become a lot more valuable in the DCs, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the stats in August, even if they're prospects, right, they matter August and September, right, uh, just as much as the ones early on. So um, if, if the guy has a high likelihood of playing down the stretch, then he's still valuable in a long season. Right. Um, you, you also talked to me about um, when you're when you're drafting your DCs early, you're talking about um, building a hitting heavy team and then a pitching heavy team and sort of um, it's sort of like Huh. training training yourself with the hardest possible situation talk about that. yeah it's so i, I call it it's, it's kind of like a stress test um i guess both on my uh i guess knowledge or or uh, depth of the player pool but also just kind of uh how to get out of certain situations right so there, there's some teams where i'll go five pitchers out of the first six rounds um and what that forces me to do is is maybe look at and consider hitters later on that I normally wouldn't right to make up the certain categories. Um, and then same thing, if I take hitters early, like I have some teams that are taking maybe six out of seven, right? So my ACE is really late. And then obviously my, my closer is, is really lagging, but uh, then it, it makes me look at uh, some of the later or mid rounds, right? The teens, those pitchers a little bit more and see who I like and who I don't like. And if I just did like, a list like some guys do or my list even then what I would end up doing is take all the players I got. I would have 12 out of 14 shares of the same person in the fourth round. And if that guy bombed, I, I'd be toast. Right. But also like I, I just, I would get lost or trapped when the big money leagues come and somebody takes my guy 
and I had no back backup plan or, or contingency on what to do. So really it's just, it's a way of uh, just getting me more comfortable and, and like, I'm never panicking because I do this, right? Like I'm like, oh, he's gone. No big deal. I got X, Y, and Z, right? And rounds 12, 15, 18 that I can take. So um, it's it's really just to, to, to test the process and, and make sure I am as comfortable with the player pool as I can be. Now, obviously a lot of that plays up to maybe early reserve and then ADP is kind of all over the place. You just pick who you want, right? And the skill players you want. That would also help you um, capitalize on falling value because if you're if you say you have a plan and you need to get in and you're rigid with your plan, you're not going to be able to take. Well, you're not. You you would be less inclined to take a player that was falling past his ADP. Talk about like in the overall contest and and just you were eighth overall last year. Uh, eighth. Yep. Yeah, you finished eighth in the DC. Yeah, in the DC contest. Um, talk about just um, the the importance or maybe lack of importance of of. Uh, just nabbing those th those falling values and um, maybe talk about an example of how you did that or and maybe uh, speak about when it's not appropriate to take a falling value. There's a, there's a value that's coming and it's not always good, right? Because some players are just, yeah, they're falling. You know, reason. I think, yeah, you had mentioned this in the agenda. I actually had on that, like, because I do the stress tests, um, that's probably a bad word for it, but that's, that's just what I use or call it. But um, yeah, essentially, um, you know, Again, I go off my category targets that I'm trying to achieve. If I get to some categories quicker than the other, then I just shift focus to the other ones, right? Like obviously pitching ratios are, are harder to make up. We can get creative, right? You're using a lot more um, per inning pitchers, right? Than volume type plays and you're gonna have to mix and match. But again, we're in a 50 round draft. So we're gonna have some depth. Um, and the, the beauty of uh, the, the DCs is I get, two or four hours to make these decisions. So uh, I can take my sweet time and kind of come through some of them. Not that I do all of them, but, but obviously we, we, we are afforded the luxury of time there. Um, I want to say, so, so you asked for some examples. I, I try to think of some, so like, obviously I use SGP. So if somebody is just like popping off the page, um, then I take them like last year. Um, I think early in the draft season, like Lindor was going at the four or five turn. It's a bad example because it's early, but like, I, I nabbed him a few times early, even though I had already gone hitter heavy. Um, and then um, obviously everybody falls for the Buxton thing, right? Because the projections, you know, Lala, like uh, right here, right yes, here. Yeah. yeah. So he shouldn't be there, but you know, it's one of those like if it gets late enough, yeah, yeah, I'll take a share or two. Uh, again, I'm I'm not going uh, lock button on on most any players early on the first 10, 12 rounds. Um, Bad examples, you know, some guys that that either don't grade out or would be like uh, bad eight average sinks or sinks like, uh, you know, Joey Gallo. Obviously, there's players like him where he could fall two, three, four rounds. I, I probably still wouldn't take him. Right. I, I know that's not an issue this year, but in years past, um, there's players like that 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 are just too harmful to to what I want to do with an overall build. Mondes that Mondes I just, would, I would, pass them? On. would Mondesi be one of them this year? I this is. I have one share of Montessi this year, but I, I've never been a Montessi guy. Same thing. It's like uh, too risky. I mean, he always gets hurt. The playing time, right? It, it just goes. Um, there's obviously pitchers that fall into that same category too. Obviously, Chris Sale would have been a good one, but everybody's back on him this year. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's really just, um, you know, I set myself up to, to take the best player available up to a certain point in the draft, and then you you slowly come back and kind of target what you need. And I will say, so I know I read Larry's book a long time ago. 
um, at the back, I think he has like a draft prep guide. It's like a table he uses. That's actually kind of, I built my own and I use that during um, not the slow drafts, but like my main drafts. And that helps me a lot because it's, it's really just hitter and pitcher early on. And then later you, you break it out into which specific position you need. I know everybody has their own draft preps or anything, but like, I, I actually really like that from that book. That's one of my favorite things. It's, it's just very structured on um, like, you know, it doesn't matter up until like round 12, right? After that, then you really got to start like, well, I, I do need a catcher, right? I do need a shortstop. Like, and then you really have to figure out um, what positions you need to, to finish your team with. But, but I, I use that. I've, I've modified it over the years, but um, it's, it's just funny. Cause like uh, first half of the, like a normal draft, I'm not even thinking position too much. Yeah. So I think the answer is no uh, uh, from Chris on this question, but Tanner, do you have a set composition this year for like the first 10 rounds? I don't have a set. I, I do. I I've done a few DCs at this point and I definitely, I'm a sucker for a pitcher early build. So like four out of the first five, something like that. Um, and to me, that goes to the, something that, kind of why I think I've gotten away a little bit from such a strict adherence to, you know, the decimal point on SGP is that, that the whole story is not really told by the, the SGP calculations. Um, and it goes along too, even with what we were saying about guys being available in season pitcher wise. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I should, but, but what, what did you need to, to have ERA wise to be like in the 80th, Oh, we got it here. It's like three, three, something like that for, um, for in DC? a main or a DC. Like, think about that for a sec. Like, to get to three, three, like half your pitchers have to be better than three, three ERA. Three, three, and, eight, and basically both of them, DC and main. Yeah, three, three. Eight. Um, and, and like, I don't know how you're gonna pull that off if you don't have, um, you know, two or three guys coming in, well under, under that amount, um. You worried even more this year because of the um, rule changes. Like that might that like logically no, that's a that good seems question. like logically never, that I, seems like that's going to even like maybe pitching might you might need it more early because yeah. And, and the, this is the year everybody's letting it slide. Uh, does I, it, does the mid pitchers turn into shitty pitchers this year? And yeah, it's more of a glob from mid to end. I don't know. I'm just uh, yeah. No, it it is interesting because um to think about I hadn't really considered the the ratio side of what that would mean. I mean, I think I've heard think that question posed whip before. is probably like a slippery slope to some, in some regard, like if you can keep guys off bases, they can't steal. And if you're letting them on and now they can steal easier, they're going to score easier. Um, that's interesting to think about. Um, yeah, so I, I I am a sucker for pitcher early because I do think, too, you, you can do a lot more with hitting-wise, right? Like, I just, when you're navigating through a draft, I, you know, at first I thought second base was shallow or third base was shallow, but now there's third baseman late that I kind of like a lot. Um, and so I just feel like you can navigate a lot easier with hitters than you can pitching late. But you don't have a set. I think it more depends on what players you like, right? Because if you if you're 
yeah, like you said, if you're into second baseman later, then maybe you're not going to take a second baseman in the first 10 rounds, right? Because you know you're building backwards. Um, yeah. Chris, did that that one that you were eighth overall in last year, the DC, was that a stress test draft or was that more of a, a normal one? This, I believe, was uh, one of my later ones. So it was kind of the machine was humming along and uh, certainly was capturing spring training news and updates. Um, Obviously, you have to adjust like it's one of those. Well, I I dropped drafted uh, so and so in round 40 in November. I can't take him in the 23rd now just because of spring training news right like you move with guys that you like right you have to you can't be stubborn in that aspect um so there was a a lot of that obviously so i had some very fortunate pitching um i had strider on this team i had gonsolin on this team um max scherzer was my ace i had jansen scott barlow so like uh tristan mckenzie and kirby so like the the pitching couldn't have been better Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but you also had Harper. Now, I had Bryce Harper. Yeah, but he sort of became the, sort kind of the a win- headache. Sort of the winner point, of the yeah. the winner of the first place uh, team had Harper too. So, yep. That's another thing I'm noticing about these DCs. These DCs, you can like the the winner. He had Harper, Buxton, Jazz, all these injured guys. It's like almost like a, I don't know. It's like makes me sort of um, let less. Um, timid to take these like injury prone guys in these DCs because it seems like it's happened. The win- the overall winner in 2021 had Acuna who was injured uh, as his first round pick. So I know I interrupted you. I'm sorry, but uh, no, 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 that's, that's fine. Uh, 50 rounds. So, you know, uh, obviously injuries suck, but um, you got a lot of depth to make it up. Um, and I will say, so one thing, obviously I, I know uh, Tanner was saying, you know, that the, the pitching, it's harder to, hit the categories um and i i do agree with that it, it is i i do like to get some pitching early you have to right um you have late targets right late whip guys late era guys late k guys so you just have to be creative and kind of attacking or building your pitching group if that right i mean you have uh like the smiley the tie-on you have some whip guys later right that you can pair and stream with uh you know some high k guys to balance it out um another thing i do uh i can't remember if this would get on the agenda later or not but uh when i do my pitching um for a a dc i like to i guess correlate or or group my pitchers so like a lot of times um i'll back up my early round guys right like max scherzer like uh you could have gotten obviously mcgill yep um peterson right guys that if he goes down, you have their, their almost direct backup, right? So it's it's you're not going to be left at the zero because you took one random guy in the first round and then another random guy in round 40, right? And they're, they're not linked at all, right, uh, or directly um, function of each other. Um, so another one is, is uh, you know, just stacking the fifth or sixth starter on teams, right, good teams, uh, where it's unclear, right? Like, don't get just one of them. Get three or four of them. So that way one of them is going to hit. And if he fails, then maybe the other guy gets it. You want to give away anything? You, you want to give away anything for that next this year? Like uh, what about Ian Anderson and Soroka? Is that something you're. Yes. Atlanta I'm doing this year. Atlanta I did last year. Like, so a lot of my teams where I did have Strider, I did have several Strider shares. Um, I just didn't have Strider. I had Kyle Muller, um, Strider, um, Bryce Elder, right. All three of those guys were, were cheap. 
Um, yep. Then sometimes I would mix it in with you, Yanoa, right? Because if I took Yanoa early, I'd back him up with these guys, right? Um, I did have some Kyle Wright, not as much because his price uh, actually was was pretty reasonable in, in draft champions. In, in, in DCs, he was fine. I I had a, yep. I, I missed Strider, but I had a ton of Wright. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just grabbing whatever I can from the the back end of a, a an unknown situation on a good team with good team contacts, right? Right, and uh, to, uh, looking at your player shares, like I, one thing I noticed was like you like you said you diversify, but I looked at your last five rounds, and your most owned player in the last five rounds was Spencer Strider. And so, also, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Nope. Well, no, I, I was going to say I, I did the Atlanta stack on a lot of teams, uh, the back end stack because it was it was relatively cheap. Um, so so that's part of why I had Strider. Um, what you're not, I had a lot of Max Meyer, which was an early reserve guy. Obviously, that was uh, one start or not even a start, right? I, I had a lot of so, I had a lot of them too. One, yeah. but if you bid on him, he didn't get a second one. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then yeah. one of my favorites was uh, I think I had a lot of Caleb Smith too. So like obviously. I, I'm not perfect. Um, I thought middle reliever, right? Like long reliever guy. Like I thought he was going to be good, and he ended up getting hurt too. But what do you what do you think you were drafting Strider as? Um. So you, Tanner, you did you have, do... did you have did you have Strider on your team? Did... No. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Trev. What 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 did you think? What did you think you were getting? Like a relief pitcher? Do, or... do you want to do that right now? Because what I have is I have like a long winded kind of. Um, Fucking let's go. Example of this. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's go. So wait, uh, how, should, how should we frame this? So people listening, like Mike, like, are you asking the question? Who is? How do you identify the Strider? And like, do you lump him in with the Holmes Swanson? Because you had all those guys on various teams. Uh, Clay Holmes. I only had one Holmes, so I wasn't as as high in the market um, as others. Right. Um, and that was it. a uh, what's that? You did get him though. You had one of them. Yeah, I, I did have one of them. Yeah. Um, but no, so it's it's uh okay. So so here I just getting some of the numbers. So obviously I, I use Tanner's spreadsheet. I, I read the process. I'm I'm also a forecaster subscriber, right? So so I do BHQ, I get forecaster, I get their MLBPA, right? I'm sure I've seen all on Twitter everybody posts this picture, but the minor league baseball analysts book, right? They have this book, this magazine they send out once a year. Um, they send out these these bio, uh, it's called Bios P, Bios Hitter, right? It's just the, the, the buyer fees on the miners that year. So this is kind of where I find some of these guys, right? So last year for the 2022 season, right? If you would have sorted the minor pitchers um, searching for a like the most skilled, which is a, a nine. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Uh, I don't want to give too much of their product away, but they have rankings, right? Six, seven, eight, nine, and then they have A, B, C, D, E, right? And those are high probability of or skill level and then the probability of them reaching the skill level kind of thing. So what I usually do is I get the spreadsheet and I filter out nine and above, right? So last, in 2022, uh, they gave Strider a 9D grade. A nine is good, right? D has a lower outcome of achieving like the highest ability, but, but the, the nine is good. So in this book, they had 25 pitching miners with a nine rating, right? Of those uh, 25, right, or I guess of the SP with a nine rating, Strider was one of three that had already debuted because I think he had like two innings maybe in 2021. Right. Right. And then there was, and then they also give like a debut date, 
so he was one of three to have already debuted, and then he was one of 11 with a projected 2022 date or sooner, meaning the 2021 guys. So of the 25 high skill levels, 11 of them, they projected to pitch in 2022. So on this list, just real quick, right? Cade Cavalli, Mackenzie Gore, Hunter Green, Dre Jameson, George Kirby, Braylon Marquez, Grayson Rodriguez, and Colvin. All of those names were being drafted, right, last year? So so why wouldn't Spencer Strider be drafted? Right? It's just he's on this list. All these guys are going. Why not take a stab at this guy? Right? He's he was round 50, 49, right? He's free. More than free, right? I mean, that's that's nobody's even paying attention sometimes to some of the DCs at that point, right? So you know, that's I, I look at these lists. Uh, I guess I make the the effort to kind of to go through their book and kind of see who they think are the most skilled players, and and he fell into this category. I'm looking um, I'm looking at your draft right now. Did you did you know? Did were you this in tune uh, when we did uh, DC number sixty together? Uh, no, because the MLB P, MLB. Oh my gosh, I can't say it. MLB PA or MLBA. Sorry, not PA BA did not come out uh, at that point. Um, and that was my first DC of the season. Uh, who are you going to say I took? Well, no, that? I'm just I'm just looking. And um, well, oh no, I, I, in this one, well, you got the relief pitchers. You got Carlos Estevez in round 45 and Brock Burke. Those, like, I don't know if it's going to turn out, but um, round 45 and 47, that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, I got I got very fortunate because I had some. I don't think I had good depth and and saves in that first one. I think I got Kenley Jansen the seventh. Right, you're saying that wouldn't happen again. And then, um, and then possibly, uh, can you see? Am I sharing my screen properly? Yeah, yeah, there. So, this ah. is this is this is a draft. This is good. Yep, yeah, Michael Brantley in the 40th, too, right? Because before he resigned, um, yeah, you actually are got you're on a lot of players that I've like, we've went, we've done one draft together, but I have a lot of I have a lot of exposure to some of these players, um. Uh, that you're taking right you're around 32 pick i have a lot of and i got i got him in around 46 in the first one like back in october um around you're around 42 pick in this draft i've got him a couple times like those those are two i guess prospects that i'm that i'm into yeah yeah so a lot of the a lot of these guys um and i think even like uh prospect guys like jay Anderson will say like i i don't in his articles he said this i, I don't take as many like i won't lock button a lot of these um unless it's like a particular stack that i'm doing like last year i i just had all those atlanta guys just in the back end um so that was a if i started it i finished it if i could kind of thing right um so just yeah just look we're looking at the draft this is the only draft we've done together this year because we're both in a lot of drafts we've, we've only overlapped once um Let's yeah, round it. thirty-five. Your round thirty-five doesn't have any more. That's so. That's so late. Um, obviously right. your, um, yep, twenty-two. Oh, yeah. Your round twenty-two doesn't happen either. Um, no, nope. so that um, was a good one. Obviously, you can thank Eno for for round thirty-six getting bumped a little. Um, but that that's I still I still took him pretty. Now. I still took him kind of early there. Yep. Um, at, at this point in the draft, you should be drafting skilled players, right? And and he's. That's a good point. So Actually, I mean, so do, do you, you can draft Brad Keller and Danny Duffy back here if you want. Um, I'll I'll throw some darts 
different directions. So well, that's that's your style, and that's more of my style too. But you got guys that have been very successful, like Phil. And that's not yeah. Phil, that's not Phil's style at all. He'll he'll he'll, he'll take the Zach Greinke's and all those guys. Well, yeah. I have Kyle Gibson in this one, so I mean, like I do get some of those guys, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, what was I gonna say? So we'll bleep it. Like I like I like your round thirty-two pick a lot. I, I think he's going. He's moved, he's moved up a lot, a little bit. That's um, I'll bleep this out. Um, okay. I yeah, I, I I saw that. Yeah, that was that was the latest I'd seen him. Uh, or based what, on the what ADP, the fuck that was, was I doing? A... What the fuck was I doing before that? Jorge Alfaro, come on, why? Why? Do, I don't know. Because I, this he's is actually really... in Boston now. That, that, I know, that might I, actually work out. I know, maybe, but I'd much rather Jorge Alfaro right now. I figure I'll catch her later. Um, but that was a that was a nice pick. And then um, who else? Okay. Yeah. yeah no, but... you know it's it's um. At this point, it was my first one. I, I didn't, I was not that, um, I was not in tune to some of these back end guys, um, at that point. Um, I mean, there, there's some other guys that I, I probably would have gone different ways. Um, Actually, obviously, th there's no way my, Michael Garcia is going in round 48 after, uh, Rob Silver. <laughs> I know. I, I've actually, I've actually grabbed a couple shares of him early, earlier than <laughs> I, I, I'm, I've totally, I totally whiffed on him. And it's funny because yeah. a couple of us, uh, talk a lot. Um, we have a chat, and um, they they were talking about Michael Garcia, and like he's a sneaky pick late. And then Rob goes That's ahead fine. and says that, and we're all cursing him. But um, yeah, like actually, I think um, the Mariners are actually a decent, an interesting one. Yeah, your round forty eight pick. I actually have never seen him. I've never seen or never really paid taken note to him being drafted. But Bryce Miller there. There's. Um, I was listening to. Um, locked on Mariners and they, and they had DePoto like actually interviewed. So it was actually a good podcast because he got it straight from the horse's mouth. And he was fairly like bullish on um, like, obviously they got six starters, including Flexen and Marco Gonzalez, but next man up, like in these DCs, they listed four guys. They listed Hancock, Bryce Miller, um, Brian Wu, and um, who's the other guy, Taylor Dollard. So um, are you the guy that you chose there? Are you most interested in him? Out of, those, um, out of those four, I don't even know if the I don't think the other well obviously because I don't think the other is the others even went in this draft. No, they they probably didn't. Um, yeah, I I guess I liked his stuff the most back when I looked at it. Um, just like a K percentage. I actually don't know what the MLBA has him as right now, but yeah, that it's um, I was mixing and matching. If I redid this, like I would, you'd probably see me getting two or three from the same team. Um. Cleveland's a fun one to stack late with some of their prospects. Um, Seattle has some interesting arms. Um, obviously, New York, there's two guys for the fifth spot right now. If those guys fail, they, they got some guys who are going to have to come up, right? So that's an interesting team to to kind of pull the same thing this year. Yes, it is. Um, but I find that, like, in these DCs, like, the, those are good examples that you listed. Um, Seattle and um, – and uh, what was the what was the other team that you listed? Um, just Cleveland. Cle Cleveland. Like I I like to do that as well. I like to stack pitching, but there's just too many. Like I you can't take all four of those Seattle pitchers. You can't take um, 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 Cleveland, which is um, Espino and uh, Gavin Williams, and they got like two or three other guys that are pretty good as well. So it's just like. Yeah, it's that that's very difficult for me to figure out which one's going to be the useful one or that's why I take the guessing game out and just get all three of them. 
Um, I mean, we're talking around 40 plus. So I, I, I don't draft, um, I guess Brock Burke, right. And I, I take one of these other guys instead, right. I just stack all three. And then that way, if please act fails, like everybody assumes he's going to right, then it's Cody Morris. And if Cody Morris doesn't do it, then just down the list of these other guys. And, you know, obviously trades can happen, but one of these guys are going to stick. I'm not like smart enough to figure out which one it is. I'm just going to say that somebody is going to, and just take the darts there. Yeah. That's what I kind of did in round 48 and 50 here. I like that. I like that stack. Yes. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. That's, that's another interesting one. Cause they, they, uh, they have obviously some, uh, I guess. Yeah. If you uncertainty have... on the back end, right. The fifth and sixth starter, even the fourth starter. But if you get, uh, oh, there, I did, um, there yeah actually so, so i like that 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 is more my style right I, I find the guy that has the fourth or fifth guy or maybe the fifth six in like the early 20s early reserve right and then i stack yeah. that depth yeah. um because I, I like all the guys enough to have some upside it's good team, good team context right wins are a, a part of this right and and that way you're guaranteed hopefully some playing time unless they make one or two trades that happen and then you're just kind of stuck in mud at that point i guess yeah tanner are you into the stacking no i have a completely different approach to <laughs> i see you in dc you seem interested I, tanner i'm we're, very we're, interested we're, in we're what you guys are talking this. about because i have a totally different personality to playing and it's i'm so conservative and it's interesting to like I don't know. I'm, I just am a big believer in balance. You can just like, you should never be too far in one direction in anything. And I'm probably too far on the conservative end um, to the point where I, I could learn a thing or two about how to be, I, I would call what you're doing maybe like um, aggressively conservative. Like you're not just throwing darts willy nilly. There's some interesting hedging risk management aspect to what you're doing to still make it kind of work. And to my conservative nature, like I, I don't, the thing that grinds my gears a little bit is the overall competitions. Like I just want to, I want a 90% payout in my league and I want to be on my way, but um, everybody's playing on NFPC. Right. And so I got to learn how to um, go after these overalls a little bit better. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's so sharp. Um, in these in these yeah. contests, mostly you get one or two crazy craziness ones, but pretty much you're it's it's tough. It's, there's such a slim margin for for error in these. Um, another thing I noticed in these DCs, and I talk I've talked about this before, but and I don't know if it worked out too well last year, but um, post hype prospects taken below fair market value. So what I mean by below fair market value is like um, like a Tyler O'Neill in 2021, where it's just like what what like his medium outcome it median outcome is you're you're still getting him below that like brendan rogers was like they're both in the 400s um kyle wright last year was another example um even i think probably austin riley the year after he broke in there's several of them this year that i've listed here but um tanner do you do you do you agree with that like that thought process or like is this goes more against your conservative nature yeah, it, I am honestly more it, against it. I would put a caveat on it. Like if I if, if there's been a shred of evidence 
in the major leagues that it could come i would i would change the answer um but like for Kalanick and Robles as as an example i don't think unless i'm missing something i don't think we've seen that that glint of, of that shimmer of hope that that could be coming um and so guys like that i would be out on and, and you know, i don't really have a great example of one but um like somebody that is coming to mind right now would be like a Jonathan India or even like a Nick Castellanos, just basic regression. Like um, that's not rocket science. I know this is age old fantasy baseball basics, but I would bet on those guys coming back at their discounted prices um, and wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. It's like that year. I think maybe it was just it was the year after the COVID, but I remember Baez, Altuve, anyone with a down year that year before just got discounted like crazy. Um, Goldschmidt was an example last year, um, but it's just, it's generally like older, older players that are. Like J- JD Martinez was the post COVID one too, right? Yes. Mm, yeah. He needed to see video. Yep. And, uh, you got, you got him at a great spot in this draft. Uh, you won't be getting him at that price anymore. Yeah. It's only a few rounds up, but yeah, definitely. Um, it was 18, weird because I think I, I sent this draft board to, to, to Tanner and he's like, wow, what has happened that he goes here kind of thing um, way back in November? Because it's shocking. Like, oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right. But it's a utility only. Uh, I, I said this on the last podcast that I just did is like, you just, I just sort of like normalize the position, um, the position bump that you give players or position um, devaluation. Um, one was, one was, um, uh, Gunnar Henderson, if he was not third base, but shortstop, like, would he really be going that high? And another one is like, um, like comparing him to like Pena and Correa and Horner, like, would he really be like rounds up on that guy? And the other one was JD Martinez. Like if he was first base eligible, would he really be going like 10 rounds after? Well, yeah, 10 rounds after Jose Abreu. Like it doesn't really like contextually it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you look at it that way, in my opinion. Yeah, likely not. There was also somewhat of a power outage last year with JD, right? And not so much Abreu, so that's probably some hesitation on some drafters. Yeah, but Abreu had 15 home runs only. Oh, wow, I guess. Yeah, they, they were in the same category then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but now it's – it's. I, I'm not as – again, it's – it's. you have 50 players, so um, the UTL, obviously, it maybe – and by June or July, my team is going to have injuries, and it's going to kind of just work its way out. Right. So, Chris, uh, do you go ahead. do you have a mix that you try to shoot for for hitters to pitchers in a DC, or does that even fluctuate, or how? Yeah, it, how it do you fluctuates play that all the time. So I, I would say I go from most of them are 25, 25, 26, 24, um, sometimes twenty seven, twenty three, but it, it is. It is one of those three. Um, it's not a 28-22 either way. Um, and then obviously it's usually a heavier hitter, like one or two extra hitters. And obviously I think it most of the time it's it's uh, how many extra like save darts do I need, right? How good did I do early on? And if I didn't do good enough, I'm taking that extra one or two because I find that easiest darts to throw at the end, right? Um, which may not be easy. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's usually how I evaluate that. So, Chris, um, your thoughts on the uh, 
post hype guys below fair market value. I listed listed a couple here just off off the top of my head when we when I made the agenda. Mackenzie Gore, Nick Senzel, Ian Anderson, Robles, Kalenic, Adele. Um, there's way more, but like I find that like that's that's been a success story for for these DCs um, some years at least. Not all, not always. I'm, I'm, and I'm always afraid of being the one year late because I've been on Kalenic two years in a row. I've been on Adele. Like, and then I'm gonna get as soon as I as soon as I throw in throw the throw in the white towel, they're just gonna blow up. Well, it, it's it's uh, it's psychological, right? And I think um, talk. I think um, process talks about some sort of bi- the biases that you could fall into. Um, I don't know. Discuss that. Yeah, I mean, I obviously do get some of those guys. Um, the ones that that maybe go like last starter, right rounds 22, 23, 24, or early reserve. I'm more hesitant to take because, uh, like Tanner alluded to, that. There's other guys that you know performed recently and and are more I guess stable or or just more more of a solid pick at that point. But later on, I mean, when we get in thirty plus, like even the 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 draft you and I did, like there's some exciting guys. Um, most of them have speed components, so like the hater wise, like I'll I'll take them for the speed component. Like at uh, Jaron Duran, obviously wasn't exciting. Um, you know, he could always do something. Nick Senzel is one he listed. Um, Kelnick, I don't mind. Um, and then the other, see, the other twist of this is I do more DCs than Tanner. So obviously, it's not that I need to have shares of some of these guys, but um, this is supposed to be for fun, right? So, like, you got to mix some of this in, right? So, I do have some Kelnick, was one of the players mentioned. Um, He's done some good things at the major league level, right? He's still 23, I believe, right? So, I mean. Something like that. We have high expectations for these these young guys playing this game. And sometimes they, they just don't meet them early on, right? But it doesn't mean that they can't, right? So, Kalanick is one. Adele is another one, Joe Adele. I, I was kind of off him until I saw the driveline video today. I did um, not see that. I, I'm joking. But, yeah, he, there was a video of him at drive. He's been at driveline, I think, all winter. Um, so, it's one of those things like he's trying to improve and change things, um, but still very unproven at the, the major league level. Right. So where do you take him, Right. Um, or who do you take him ahead of um, again, 50 rounds. So if you strike out on him, you still got 49 players. That's true. Not to stack too, too many of those on the same team. So some of these DCs are just like players like the Adele and like Josh Lowe is another guy uh, didn't mention, but yeah, I don't have many of them in these DCs. I, 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 I don't know. I just, um, Adele, like he, he needs something to happen. He needs an injury or a trade. Um, but the, sometimes I'll just see them fall to like 500 in the 500s, 550. I think I snagged Adele like really late, I think round 36 in one of these drafts. And I'm like, you know what? This is, if this is going to be the time, I might as well take him now. Uh, so I really play the, I play the ADP game given the volume that I do. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Like if he falls four rounds or two, three, four rounds past where he's normally going, like that's when you get your share. You're not reaching for him and you're not paying market value, right? You're like you said, below market value. So that that's the only time I'm getting shares of the guys that that have failed. But the thing you mentioned about that, it's really tough to take players with that risk level, like in like rounds 20 to 23, when you're still filling out your roster and you need, you need like assurance players like, Hayden Wesneski, um, like even now painters getting moved up. Um, just looking at the board here, um, Hunter Brown. It's really like 
top like uh, Garrett Mitchell, um, guys like that. It's really tough to um, take guys like that, at least multiple guys like that, before you get into the reserve rounds. Guys fighting for roles like the like the last sure. spot in Arizona. Like you got Dre Jamison, you got Ryan Nelson, you got Fat. Um, like that. Yeah. That's that's a tough one, and that's why. Like I guess those like if you if we knew things and we're in March and spring training's almost over and we have more information these guys could be these are the guys that could be going multiple rounds higher that's that's the whole uh, conundrum here. Yeah, yeah, I actually do have some Garrett Mitchell. Um, I I don't mind the Milwaukee outfielders. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, so I I know you guys aren't gonna like this. I do some pairing. Like I'll have I have I think one. Um. Mitchell and Tyrone, one Mitchell and Freilich, and then one Mitchell and, and Weimer. So, like, um, that way, if he busts, I have a, I guess, a 33 or 50% chance of getting his backup kind of thing. So, I'll do some of that. <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, the other ones, um, yeah, they're, they're, that's a fun range. You shoot for the moon sometimes, right, and hope to get lucky. Yeah. So did did we even say who we thought maybe like the next like Strider like the really skilled pitcher? Uh, did, so no, Str- no, but but I, but I I have a fun uh kind of twist or angle on that. Um, okay. I, I was gonna kind of put it all together when we talked about him earlier, but going back to the MLBA book. Right. I, I find this interesting. Um, let me get back to this. Okay. So, so here's what I, so this year I ran the same filter, right? So the, the nine rating on the projected 2023 or sooner pitchers. Okay. Right. So you ready for this list? You have the, and this is, again, there's, they have uh, skill ratings of nine that are projected for 2024, 2025. But this is how I would seek out somebody of this skill level right is kind of what we're looking for so the cleveland trio of bibby williams and espino right right it, they have bobby miller Bo, sorry bobby miller um and ryan uh Pepiot. i'm gonna butcher some of these names kate cavalli is on there again yuri perez ricky tideman grayson rodriguez andrew painter and griff mcgarry so of the selection, so here's one thing. So a lot of these guys, again, are, are guys that are being drafted, right? So I did like a, just a scan this morning of the 136 DCs already completed. Almost all of these guys were 136, right? They're being taken at some point. Uh, one of the next lowest was was Bibby at 102. So I think he's maybe the least attractive of the Cleveland trio. Um, do you know? And then so then the lowest here is obviously Griff McGarry at 20 uh drafts out of 136 so a few things so if if you want to find the the next guy that nobody's paying attention to that the analysts think is skilled right it's somebody like this right you can take him around 50 because he's only gone in 20 of the 136 so the other thing that that i guess i would think about if if i was drafting andrew painter in round 19 20 21 wherever he's going you can bet your butt I would be taking Griff McGarry in round 49 or 50 just in case Painter doesn't pitch. Right? I, kind of, if kind of you genius. look at some of the if you look at some of the, the management and 
ownership comments, like they mentioned the youngsters or the two of them in the same sentence. Obviously, Andrew Painter is Andrew Painter, right? But they, they're being mentioned together as youngsters contributing this year. Did you read what the Chronicle, the no, the Inquirer had the other day on Painter? I think I sent, uh, I sent, I sent you my notes, but I, I don't think it'd been updated by then. They 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 gave a hard limit for the innings. On Painter? Yeah. Then that's exactly why I would start backing up some of his direct replacements. Let's see. That that's how I would build a DC. Um, if I was taking Andrew Painter that early. Oh, and I, I I have the the draft board up on mine. I actually I don't think he was taken here. McGarry. McGarry. I again. I, I'm probably. Isn't there, is there another dude in there though too? They they've, they've uh, it's uh, Mick Mick Abel. Yeah. Is the other guy, but uh, so he's younger, and I do think projected to be 2024. Okay. Again, I don't get paid to do the analyst documents like these other guys do. I'm using this as one of my resources during draft prep. Uh, I, I find their list of skilled pitchers, right? And I say, why is this guy not being drafted as high as these other names? Because all the other names listed are being drafted and much higher. We're talking about a 50-round draft, right? You should be throwing darts at guys like this. So did you hear this? Um, Caleb Coffin, pitching coach. This is on February 3rd. Um, this is from the Inquirer. Um, I think this is like a pay article or whatever, but... Yeah, well, that, that, that's my point is is uh, I listed uh, this year, what was it? Um, how many of these guys were on this list this year? 13 pitchers, right, on this minor list, this filter. They're all skill level nine. McGarry is the only one not being drafted as, as much as the others. That that was that was strictly my point is, is if 12 of them are going like 85 percent of the time. Why isn't this guy right? Just because Andrew Painter is blocking his path. What if Andrew Painter gets hurt or Ranger Suarez, you know, fails or does bad or gets hurt, right? There, there's other pitchers that can get hurt for yeah. him to take his spot. I think you're onto something that I notice and I try to recognize when it's happening. It's like, there's only so many podcasts that, and well-known ones, right? And I think we can settle into groupthink pretty easily about how certain things are going to play out. But we are really just guessing like the one that comes to mind real recently was that Atlanta, um, Vaughn Grissom, like, I don't know, everybody's just kind of penciled him in because Ron Washington's going to fix him, his defense. <laughs> but there's these comments re recently that I don't know if you look at what Orlando Arcia did at the end of the year, it was pretty good. And, um, he can play short already. And it's, I don't know. It's just, so there's, I, there's, I have there's this group Grissom, thing in, that, Grissom in the 12th. And you you jump Arcia, round yep. forty. I've done There's that. Your build. I've done that too. I, that that's easy. It's a DC. I can do that in a DC, right? I, in a fab league, it's harder to do because if he fails or or they don't use him, then then you're going to have to replace a tenth or eleventh or twelfth round pick, right? But in a DC, I, yeah, like uh, Zach saying, I have a few of that pairing because um, I like the upside of either player. I agree with that. Um, so what I did, um, just quickly, I don't, I couldn't pull up the sheet. I, I tried to find it, but I did it like right. The first, one of the first things I did um, in my draft prep, I looked at Spencer Strider and I said, okay, he went through like four levels last year uh, in 2021. And then yep. he was obviously amazing 22, 22. So I'm looking at, I went and I downloaded fan graphs. I said, what pitchers went through at least three levels of the minor leagues and ended in at least like ended in at least double A AA or triple A. 
and um, they, Chris and they, McGarry. They, is, is he one of them? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that he passes my test too. So Twenty like, out of one thirty-six. I'm sorry. I'm. I, I am not a Griff McGarry guy. I'm just saying it's it's shocking to me that that if everybody's in search of this next Strider and nobody's drafting him. So no. So he went through that uh, three levels last year too. I, I believe so. When I looked, um, I'll double check right now. But I want to say he. I don't know. Uh, if he, I, it was a, it was a good season for him. This is. Are you checking? Yes. So what I looked at is like yeah, I, he had A, double A, triple A. So he okay, just so didn't have his two innings in the majors like Strider. And I didn't care about that because that's irrelevant. But um, what I did what I did look at is I looked at that was my first criteria. My second criteria was this person was a starter, and maybe I'm going at it wrong because but I think Strider was a starter in the minor leagues, even though he wasn't a starter in the major leagues. You got to be a starter, and you got to have good strikeout numbers. Like a good good K to walk, like and somebody that that has some upside, and I didn't have a, and it was more subjective how I looked at it. But I looked at the list and I looked at the innings, and the guy I came across, but I've I've read I've read up on him, and I'm just gonna I don't know if you can see my board. I'm just gonna draft him. I'm drafting him. I'm drafting him right now in round 43. Um, I just took him, but um, what else? I'm looking at my um mining the news. Sorry, Jeff. Um, but my um. <laughs> the new okay, the, he was an AFL guy, non roster invitee. Okay, director of player development, um, from the Chicago Sun Times. If anyone has a chance to be an Alcantara type pitcher, he has all the makeup components of that, Baker said. And when you see someone that young who can spin a breaking ball like he can, manipulate the ball in and out of the strike zone like he has this year, it's a, it's a lot to dream on for sure. So I like that quote, and I liked to see that he made it across all those levels and the terms of like what sort of competition he's going to have. Um, he's on he's on the trajectory trajectory to if he does pitch like if he does perform well he could he can make it up this year. So he's sort of the guy I've been taking a lot. No, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Um, I haven't come across that. Um, probably more. I don't know. I, I put maybe a too much emphasis on team context with pitching sometimes. Um, like, uh, obviously, um, you know, Atlanta was a good team. So that's why I stacked them because there's wins associated with it. Philly, same thing, right? You expect them to be good, right? Um, so there's there's more wins lined up for that team than uh, Pittsburgh. Um, but, yeah, he looks a skilled pitcher. Some good remarks in, in uh, the MLBA. So, I mean, it's – at that point, these are all these are all good darts. Right. Okay. So we can move on to the post um, seven fifty. We did. We we've seen um, people talk about post three hundred ADP sleepers. We've done a post five hundred ADP team or post four hundred. I forget. But I don't know if I've seen anyone look at players that haven't been drafted. I guess Chris, you kind of did that with McGarry there. But um, um, before we move on, Tanner, do you have a next year, like a, a pitcher you wanted to mention? He, uh, I mentioned mine, Chris mentioned his, do you have somebody? Not that's that far <laughs> out of the league that, okay. um, you, you guys wanna, have you, there. The you one, mention I, something? I have a, you have a pitcher on your screen that I What's draft screen? a lot. Um, second in your queue. Oh, the White Sox. Yeah. Yeah. You can say, you can talk about him if you want to. Oh, is it? 
Um, Davis Martin. I just um maybe I should have taken him instead of Priestier. He kind of fits like you know, Chris was talking about like a f- unsettled fifth six. Unsettled fifth six, made it to the majors. He actually pitched a lot last year. Um yep. I have shares of him. I, I pretty like well, him, so. especially if you take out his last start that cost me thousands of dollars. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, I think, yeah. Um, so I don't see any reason why he wouldn't um, get another big shot um, and be pretty effective. That's an easy yeah, one. I it, actually it, start. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And he's not really getting drafted every time either. I don't think. I, I've been surprised that there he is. He is more. now. He should be now, especially yeah, with the, well, the, with Clevin- the Clevenger stuff. Clevenger. Yeah, 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 I was gonna say once Clevenger uh, that came out, I I kind of moved him up my my list or depth charts um then also Kopech isn't the healthiest right he might not pitch pitch a full season so they're gonna need arms yeah um no he's being he's being drafted and i think they've even mentioned the the next guy in line which is sean burke i think he's a prospect yeah he's gotten more buzz lately there's an article about him yeah last week or something he's a, he's a decent he's a decent pick as well so um yeah, like po- the guys like McGarry. Do we have like a like last year we had Taylor Ward who basically was not being drafted, <laughs> and then the year before that was Dallas Garcia. Um, these guys are just coming out of nowhere, um, and uh, people aren't on them in DC season, and, and they're and they're huge fab pickups in in uh, the regular season. Last year you saw guys like um, Yon Duran move up boards, Fyro Estrada, like those guys weren't going even they were going undrafted or really late. And then they started moving up boards into like the round 30s um, once spring training started. Manoa was another guy the year before that. Um, do you have any guys like that that you, you, like maybe you're not even drafting yet, but you're really keeping an eye on in spring training that could be um, that sort of type of player? Uh, we talking late, late? Super late, late like zero, zero, um, out of, zero out of 138 or zero out of 120 or, or like one or two. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, or it could be just, or, or somebody that you've been taking late. Like, yeah, not... I mean, I think Ryan Noda is fun. Um, obviously, there's some roadblocks put in his way now, but he's a, a Rule Five, right? So he yeah. has to be kept on the roster or or released, which then he finds plenty of time elsewhere, right? So he was an interesting one early, and then he moved up, and then the roadblocks came back, so then he moved back down. Um, ADP in the rounds of 40 plus. So like another free guy that you kind of just throw a dart at, but he's was buried in the Dodger system. Right. And he has some skills. So he's an interesting one. He has speed. I think you, you mentioned Ward and Garcia. They both have some ski, or speed aspect. So I, that's kind of why I was looking for somebody with a little bit of speed there. Yeah. Tanner, do you got anyone? No, not late like that. But what, as you're saying this, the one, there's one team that I'm amazingly curious about how it's going to shake out. Cause I think all their projections are kind of suppressed cause they're all projected for like 450 plate appearances is like almost everyone on the Royals. Um, like <clears throat> some of them are going to get full-time run at, we don't know which ones, but I, they're all suppressed unnaturally, I think, because nobody has a clue and you know, depth charts or whatever just doesn't have anyone at 600 so they're not going and that i don't 
I don't know the full details, but they have new GM there. Right. And I just, what do they owe Hunter Dozier anymore? They've already cleared out Michael Taylor. Um, they cleared out Mondesi, like Massey, Eaton, Isbell, Oliveras, like all these guys. Garcia. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even Garcia. That's a, that's another good one where I was thinking that even, um, I don't know. There's just room for, for big value somewhere on that team. Yep. Right, you, want, you want my guy? I'll, I'm, I'm bleeping it out though. Fuck, fuck everyone else. They can, um, <laughs> Well, I got I've... my my guy is um sort of some I, I was big into Kyle Wright last year. Um, not to brag, but um I just saw him pitch in the World Series. He had great numbers in the minor leagues. Um, and they were using him in the World Series. But he can play everywhere. He first, everywhere. second, third, short. Speed Maybe power. more than one too, right? Yeah, speed power, and he's like he's free, like you're saying. Yeah, I don't like I don't yeah. like to use I don't like to use that word, but he's he's fucking like round 48-ish, 47. Like, I don't even always, I, I sometimes just forget him because I like other players. I'm like, oh, he doesn't really fit my roster. I need to, I need, I need to get other positions. Like I have two catchers. I need another one, right? Or something like that. So I don't even always get him, but he's always like there. And um, yeah, I don't know. Have you That's... looked at what the guy, the guy above him on the screen did after he switched teams last year? Um, the no, pitcher. no, no. Go look him up. We're in talking in secret code now. I love this. <laughs> yeah, this is this is people are just people already hate this podcast. They're gonna hate it even more because they're not gonna give her. Um, we're withholding information. <laughs> um, what do you want me to do? Look at his um, splits. Uh, or... Yeah, show his partial season so you can see the team switch. Like under. Uh, oh, there, um, there. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I mean, it's a small sample, but that's. It's pretty good, and I, I I liked him. I liked him uh, previous seasons. And every, I mean, that pen is. Yeah, if they trade, if they trade, uh, watch his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's his face? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that call too. That's a that's a deep that's that 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 could be your deep that's, that could be your deep uh, stab. Um, Tanner. All right. All right. Do you want to finish off with some ADP battles? Why not? We could try. <laughs> so I, I did this. I did this last time. I only did three of them. So basically, what this is, I took the ADP. I don't even have the exact ADPs, but it's it's directional, and, and you you'll get everyone will get everyone will understand what we're talking about. Basically, taking two players that aren't necessarily um, showing the same ADP in the draft room, but if you look at the last twelve or so drafts that one player is really creeping up on, on that other player. And um, I just want you guys to tell me what you guys thoughts on, on uh, picking these, picking between these two. First one I'm going to go with is Lars Newtbar versus Oscar Gonzalez. And these players have been sort of, if you're doing a lot of these drafts and you got your finger on the policy there, you, you can, you can feel the movement and you can, and you know that um, what you see in the draft room is not necessarily what you're going to see unfold in the draft. So what do you guys think about that? Because Newtbar, um, he has, um, an ADP of 184 over the last um, 12 drafts. But um, if you look at the ADP between Gonzalez and Newtbar, it's not going to show that close um, in the draft room. So Oscar Gonzalez or Lars Newtbar, Tanner, Tanner, let's start with you. Who do you like? 
I I think these are interesting because they're kind of probably getting to be right on the cusp where it is kind of up for debate. But I like Nupar um, for just a qualitative reason um, in that I think he might be a different player than what the projections know him to be. Uh, where if you look at what he did in the, I don't know if it was the second half, but you know, at the end of the season when he started to get full run and then I, he's another drive liner and I know he was there again this year. And so I think I saw something where he had a new career high in exit velocity at drive line. So I would go that way. Chris. Yeah. So <laughs> Uh, similar. I, I think he was actually leading off down the stretch yeah. against righties, right? So I mean, that that's it's kind of do you need runs or RBIs at this point, right? Um, but that that's more interesting. Uh, I think both offenses are good. Um, this is kind of where my thought process goes. So I, I'll be honest, these two aren't guys I'm taking. I have different desires in that ADP range, but um, then the era. So I'm, I don't. I'm probably not going to pick one, but. Um, New bar, I mean, is exciting, more exciting probably, but then Oscar is probably locked into more of a role because there's so much going on at St. Louis. I have no idea what's going to happen, right? So it would probably depend on what I had already done up to the draft at this point, uh, but I would say New bar is, is probably the more exciting um, bat. Right. I'm not even I'm not even 100% confident on the playing time on Gonzalez. Like, it seems locked in, but... Yeah, we I, he, he, got, he became trendy last year, but then it, I do get the hint that Cleveland isn't as enthralled as fantasy owners are about him. So they're talking about uh, Naylor, some reps in right field. I've heard that. Chris, you probably you're probably aiming at like this guy in that range because I saw you spent. Oh, huge no, hold on, on, I got to go back to the other screen. On uh, you spent big on him in Fab. I saw last year. I like I was. Uh, I did. We did spend money on him. Um, but no, actually, I'm not. You know. Um, the, the hometown bias did, did not play into this. Uh, but no, I, it's, uh, I actually wrote down some other players. Like I, I'm usually looking, uh, there's other guys. I think if I had the range, right. I mean, I like Mitch Hanniger, Josh Bell, Jonathan India, bomb, you know, McNeil, and then maybe taking a shot early on the, the Ruiz and the Abrams for speed, right? Like that, that's more where my mind thought is at this point in the draft. So you're not, um, you're not that's not an outfield range for you, like in round 12. 13. No, I like the later outfield darts. There's, yeah. I actually like a lot of the late ones, so I'll wait on outfield and I'll get my other needs at different positions there. I agree with you there because I think people have, like, I've heard you hear on podcasts, like outfield shallow this year, you got to get your outfield early. But yeah, I guess, like, too, like when we did those gladiator drafts, the 23, no, no reserves, like, yeah, that made sense. But you got to get your mind out of that mode. And these DCs, I do like a lot of the late. Uh, outfielders like um, that you can take darts on. You can take a couple of them. Like I don't mind the Minnesota um, disaster uh, to keep taking a few of those guys, but um, let's go on to the next uh, uh, ADP battle. This is Leclerc and Alex Lang. So I think Le Alex Lang is now 220 over the last 12 drafts. Whereas um, I don't know, I'd have to pull it up, but they're, they're not even close. If you look at the overall ADP. So um what do you guys think of uh, who would you prefer, Lang or Leclerc? Can I do what Chris did and just say I would never take either of these two? Um, <laughs> sure, that's, yeah, that's help, um, that's helpful as well. That's gonna be my answer. <laughs> yeah, like um, there's just there's like 
too many options in Texas for me to like really think that that's going to work out there. And I kind of think that even in Detroit, like um, that's, I think that's a group think example right there. Like, I don't know how lane, like, I feel like fantasy players penciled in laying, but like, what, <laughs> like similar to Kansas city, there's a new GM there as well. And this guy's from the giants. He's sharp. He's smart. Like, I don't, I don't know. There, there, there was an article in the free press or one of the Detroit newspapers that they say that Cisnero might have just as much of an odds to take the role. Um, he's more of a veteran and he's going to be a free agent anyway. So they might try to make something where they can sell um, him off, but I don't see any reason to, to bet on Lang really. I, I would think Chris, you'd be all over this because Lang and like whatever, like, I don't know, he's been moving up, but then you take Cisnero and like, that's your monopoly board. That's your, that's your, <laughs> well, that, that's your dark so purple. I, that's your dark I, purple. I am going to kind of go that way. So, so I like, I preferred Lang when he was an early round 30 dark, right? I, I have a few shares there because early draft season before the trade of Soto, right? He was, right. he was there. So I have Lang shares there. So it's hard for me to now take them in the 16th, 17th. I, I have at some point because I, I think we all know saves or closers. That's where you really vary your exposure, um, especially with types like this, because you can't just hope you hit it. But, but in this range, uh, so just in this range, guys that I would prefer over them. Right? This is like a big pool of the closers, right? So you have Graveman, Phillips, Finnegan, Estevez, right? Kind of all in that tier with these guys. I'd probably take some of the other guys over these two, um, but I actually have a few shares of Leclerc, and I actually. I think it's easy to identify some of his backups that are really cheap, right? Jonathan Hernandez, Barlow, Kennedy, like some of those guys are really, really late. Not that I take all of them, right? But I'm just saying if you wanted to back them up, that's really not that difficult to do. I don't do that as much with the closers as I do with the uh, the starting pitching, by the way. There's more innings out of the starting pitching stack. You, you spend more resources on the stunt stack and starting pitching. Yeah. Now, when, when you uh, follow up question that I wasn't planning on asking, but like when you're drafting like a first closer, say like Helsley or whatever, d does, does the price of his backup um, factor into like your appetite to draft those closers? Like Gallegos is going to be more expensive than maybe like. Um, no, no, I'll, I'll do it. No. It's those guys will play in a long season. Um, I used to not do that, but then I've been more successful on the teams that I do do that. Cause then again, it comes back to like, then I'm not just throwing random darts out there and hope that they hit if uh, Helsley goes down, right? I, I I know I have hopefully the the direct guy, right? Like I, it's so you will awesome take to do with Class A and and Kalinick, right? Um, they're a great elite pairing, right? You can that use sounds like, that. Sounds like a terrible pairing, Class A and Kalinick. <laughs> Sorry, we had Kalanick on the list. Yes, Karnacek. But you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So like, you can use the RP on weeks where you have bad pitching streaming, right? Like, So like, if they're right. usable RPs, I'll do that in, in some cases. I don't do that all the time. Um, but no, okay. I... Well, just like, okay, let's just put it in, like, let's, I'll give you an either or. Like, you're taking Helsley in round five and Gallegos in round 21. I don't know. Or you take Kenley Jansen in round five and Schreiber in round like 35 and Chris Martin in round 40. Like you're, 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 you're saving 
and then in, in in this case you can you can take Kalenic in round like Jared Kalenic in round twenty one instead of Gallegos. So you're you're adding another valuable bat there instead, and you still got yep. I don't know essentially the same thing. But yeah, but most of the time I'm I'm not targeting a specific closer early in the rounds, right? It's kind of like who I get, right? Like if I'm at the end of the run or the beginning of the run. So like it's just I'm not going to skip over one because I want one, right? So I just kind of take who I get. But yeah, there's there's obviously different pairings you can do. I wonder uh, what Tanner thinks about this because I was having a conversation. We had a group chat and we were talking about Kenley Jansen versus Iglesias for some reason. And then I I said, dude, I'm not, I said I'm not going to think more than like I'm like I I, I I'm not going to think more than five minutes and waste my time on this because I'm in like sixty leagues. Like I'm just going to take I'm I'm going to take the like the one that falls, basically what you say. And I'm like, yep. like the player analysis is almost useless to me, especially in DCs. Yeah. Um, like trying to like people, people are spending like hours analyzing Jansen versus Housley versus uh, Iglesias. I'm like, I'm not spending more than like, it, for me, it's not worth it for me. I don't really care. Like, uh, unless there's some, like one of them that I really dislike, like, um, I don't know. I can't think of an example that I'm just fading for whatever reason. I found a reason to fade him. I, I'm not spending a lot of time. Chris, are you the same way? Yep. I, I mix and match the closers anymore. Um, I try to get one early, um, try to get another one. Uh, obviously that this group that we just mentioned is not ideal for your first. It's not ideal for your second, but sometimes things fall and you, you, you don't get the guys where they go. Right. So, really? but the beauty is we got 50 rounds, right? So you kind of just go, obviously I, I attack fab leagues differently than this. So. Right. What about Tanner? What about you? What, what, um... Yeah, I don't play. I don't know if I'm going to do more than three or four DCs. And I would, tr- I don't, for some reason, I don't like Jansen. It's just a little, maybe if there's smoke, there's fire type thing. I don't have a great reason, but I do like Iglesias a lot um, in that range. Right. All right. Last one I have is Hunter Brown and, J- and Andrew Painter. Well, we kind of like, We've talked about them already on this podcast, but Andrew Painter's 312 ADP over the last little while. And then uh, Hunter Brown was, uh, he's still going earlier, but he, I think he's around 260. So um, if you had to pick one between the two, who are you taking? Tanner, I'll start with you. I'd be Brown. I, I may have to shift my way of thinking, um, you know, because of the new rookie incentives to call guys up earlier but i still just don't trust that a lot of the buzz that these young guys are gonna come up and start the way that we would like them to and i do think major league experience seems to be a big um factor for you know getting called up getting being the next man up if something were to happen in that houston rotation so i'd go brown okay what about you uh chris uh same uh he pitched in the majors was successful so that's that's good at least initial glimpse of of what he can do right at the at the majors um plus i, I was i was on hunter brown last year i liked him a lot i found him in the news um, yeah, so you drafted him i actually added him to the player pool which it's always fun to do he feels weird doing <laughs> that like you double and triple check to make sure he's not in there or drafted but uh it's always yeah. fun adding the player he's also a local uh, local guy you followed JV like the backstory and it was kind of cool um so that that's I guess an attachment that I I shouldn't have with him but I do so 
And I'm not against Andrew Painter. I, I, he's very exciting. Uh, that that video where he threw the ball and it hit the mitt and the the the, the dust went in the air like on Twitter. That's just amazing, right? That, that guy, that, that, guy, that, that, probably, guy you, that got a rise out of you. Yes. <laughs> no, it's just uh, stuff like that. I'm I don't know. I think a lot of people just get caught up in the emotion and want to chase it. But all right, time end, will tell. You want to end off and with a little game, two truths and a lie. All right. Oh boy. <laughs> well, let me give you I'm gonna give you three quotes from managers or GMs. One of them I've either made up completely or embellished a little bit. All right. Um first one I'm gonna give you is and we'll keep this to um we'll keep this in the themed of uh deeply DC targets or whatever. So here's the first one. It's on Shelby Miller with Dodgers. This is uh Brandon Gomes, a GM. He had a lot of success in triple A and has uh fully transitioned to being a reliever. It's an interesting throw. A fastball with a kind of low slot, rise and run, and the slider plays off of that. We feel like he'll have a high strikeout rate with an average walk rate. That's the first quote. Second quote is on Luke Weaver on the Reds. Um, this is um, Nick Kroll, the GM. We're going to try to lengthen it out uh, and see where it goes. Um, I think he can start. He can relieve. Also, it, it just adds another guy that gives us some innings and competition starting in spring training. Who knows if he gets back to where he was, he's a solid back end starter. And the third and final one is from Robbie Thompson, the manager of the Phillies. Uh, and this is on Scott Kingery. Um, Scotty's a highly talented guy. He's gotten a little sideways there for a little bit. Maybe we can get him back going. We're really going to try to get him going at second base again. Which one is the lie? Scott Kingery. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. It didn't seem as wordy as the other two, or uh, more broken down. But yeah. Well, I just added the. I just added the last. The, it's partially true. I just added the part where they're going to oh. get back in, back in at second base. The rest of it, like they, they say, they, he did say he's a talented guy. He's gotten a little sideways. Oh, the manager used sideways and everything. Yeah, that was all. That's all a quote oh. from, huh. from, from the athletic. Yeah, but um, when the part about him going back to second base uh, is not true. Yeah, yeah. Tanner, did you did you figure that out too? I no, I knew the second one was real, but I was trying to decide between the first and the third. I apparently need to read up on Luke Weaver. I have forgotten him. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's kind of the reason I used that one because, uh, yeah, like he was a guy I loved um, in other years, like not like to take late, but he's also a free guy on a team that's in a bad ballpark. But like that rotation is just so bad. And there's a couple, there's a couple interesting like minor league guys in that on that team that, that again guys like the Mariners guys and the Indian guys that just sometimes aren't being drafted. Um, there's a couple guys I, 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 the names escape me, but in the minor leagues, I think that some of those Reds guys you're going to see this year. Yeah, it, and it's been proven that they call up the young guys, right? Whereas Cleveland, um, I guess they call up some, but like last year you would have expected to see Logan Allen or some of these other guys, right? And they didn't get called up, so Cleveland probably bad one to attack some of the miners because they don't pull them up as much as you would think they would yeah that's that's a good point all right so uh we've um, exceeded the hour and a half so i'll let you guys go but um anything else that uh you guys want to add before we uh, we end off here i really appreciate you guys spending the time here oh thanks for having me i was listening to you guys talk about your area of expertise because you're way more involved in it than i am so it was good to good to hear you guys go at it well, Tanner, like we want to, can you, can you give us something to uh, give us, 
give give your fans of something to end off on. Give us a little bite of uh, something that we can like um, chew on from you. Oh gosh, can I put you no on the pressure? Spot? Um, no, I don't know. I I think um, maybe I'll just go back to balance. Um, I think that's why Jeff and I work well as partners because we do we're we're very different um and there's just so many different ways to play the game so i just think that it's interesting to hear different people's smart people's approaches that are different than yours um that found different ways to be good at it um you guys are talking about strategies i would never employ in a dc um but maybe i need to i mean obviously the proof's in the pudding right i mean chris you've been in the top 10 of the DC two years in a row, something like that, right? I've been in the cash three years in a row. Yeah, in the overall, I mean, like, that's incredible. So clearly you're doing something right that I need to learn from. That's why we have you guys on and both, both of you. I'm trying to learn from both of you. One one thing I actually forgot. I, I heard um, on a recent podcast, Rob Silver was on two of them. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but they asked him who could be the next Buxton that moves up in drafts and like is all of a sudden a second round pick um in come main event time i've got a slightly different question than that what player like i was thinking about this what player could be like the aaron judge not necessarily his profile but a player going like like upwards of the fourth round that would be that could be a consensus first round pick this year that because we're just all just missed like everyone sort of group bunked themselves into aaron judge injury prone uh doesn't steal and uh both of those things are sort of proven wrong what player? I know I'm putting on the spot, which wasn't on the agenda, but I got a guy in mind. Um, what player do you think that's going still like relatively early, but could be like a guy like oh, like this guy's going to be a first round pick next year? Ozzy Albies. Tanner, he, you got it. Wasn't he a, a, was, a one-two turn last year? He was. I was just pulling up the list. Um, I was kind of starting around 40, like guys that were pinging would be Chisholm, Luis Robert. Chisholm was the guy I was thinking of. I think he could, like, if he stays healthy, he could be like a guy that like, I mean, he could go 40, 40 and it wouldn't be like, or the, that, yeah, well, let's not get crazy. 30, 30, <laughs> 30, 30, 30. And if he goes 30, 30, how bad can his average be? And he's still like probably a one, two turn guy. Yeah. And just because we're the only, what's stopping him? Health. Team, he's on a bad team in a bad park, I guess. But yeah, I was gonna say it'd be the the run in RBI totals is what would do it for me. I, I wouldn't take the Miami player in the first or second round. Well, that's a, that's a that that's reason. a valid point for sure. The run in RBI totals. That's um. Whereas Albie's like on a team like Atlanta, who was a top five offense the last few years, like that's why I guess I put him there, right? Because the Yankees were a top five offense too, right? So it's the runs and RBIs that are going to boost the value to the first round, right? Over some other guys. That's true. Well, I guess all the players, that uh, Lewis Robert, you mentioned as well. It's all the players that like um, are like, the, the we're all using qualitative reasoning to push them down, right? And those are the players that like Rodon last year, those are the, those are the players that are league winners. That's That was the appeal with Byron Buxton. The uh, qualitative qualitative considerations pushed him down, and um, that didn't happen in, in main events. But Albies, eh? So you're in on Albies. 
I, I find him interesting. I mean, it's like last year in that fourth round, like you could get Lindor, right? Like it's just a reliable guy with some power and speed and a good offense. Okay. So let's end it there. Tanner, smart fantasy baseball by the process. It's amazing. Very two, two very smart people wrote that book and, and collaborated. And it's, it's um, definitely one of the best resources you could have. Chris Reed, Christopher Reed, um, at Hick73314. So he's basically a, a, ro- a robot that's just like a, not, a, not a human, but you can follow him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, thank thank you very much. This was fun, my first ever. So it was enjoyable. No, a lot of respect, a lot of respect for both of you. I'm glad I got to talk to you. And it's it's uh, it's fun because you guys knew each other. And um, hopefully um, people take people can take a lot from this episode. So thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, boys. Thanks. All right.